Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. Uh, we have got a down day for the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ. S&P now lower by four, down two-tenths of one percent. Gold up six-ten the ounce to 12.25, higher by five-tenths of one percent. A barrel of crude did trade back above $48 a barrel. Right now it is at 47.75, up nine-tenths of one percent. WTI West Texas Intermediate up by 40 Three cents. The ten-year up four thirty seconds, uh, uh, with uh, the yield there two point three nine percent. Nasdaq down twelve, pulling back from a record, down two tenths of one percent. S and P down two tenths of one percent. The Dow down twenty three, down one tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you so much, Charlie Pellet. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master, along with Corey Johnson, live from the General Electric interim headquarters in Boston. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report, brought to you by. BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here at the Bloomberg ETF Report, Bloomberg's Catherine Cowdery. Emerging markets ETFs are back in favor, helped by their outperformance. The biggest, the Vanguard FTSE Emerging Markets ETF, or VWO, is up 13.1% so far this year, compared to the S&P 500's advance of 7.2%. But there's an Emerging Markets ETF that's gained even more. It's the Emerging Markets Internet and E-Commerce ETF, or EMQQ, and it soared 37% since January 1st. Kevin Carter, the founder of EMQQ, says there are signs that growth can continue. The sector continues to grow at really an unprecedented rate, as far as I know. I mean, we're still seeing revenue growth for a lot of these large companies of 40 and 50 percent. So I think the market's sort of catching up with that growth. EMQQ is rules-based and focuses on Internet and e-commerce companies that get more than half of their revenue from emerging markets. Emerging markets ETFs are also seeing inflows this year, helped by comments including those from Double Line Capital's Jeffrey Gundlach. He recently recommended wagering long on the iShares MSCI Emerging Markets ETF, or EEM. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. what our next guest feels about the financial market environment. We're just about 10 minutes away from that closing bell on Wall Street. Stocks moving lower today, although we're off our worst levels of the session. Let's get a perspective from Brad McMillan. Back with us, Chief Investment Officer at Commonwealth Financial Network, $100 billion in assets under management based in Waltham, but uh, right here with us at the interim GE headquarters in Boston. I know. What do you make of this? Very impressive. (laughs) This isn't where they're going to – they're just here for now. It works for now, <laughs> as long as they're happy. Um, should investors be happy about this environment? I think investors should be happy about this environment. And the reason I say that is for all of the noise out there, all of the concerns we have, all of the very real problems, the fundamentals are still pretty sound. The economy continues to grow. In fact, it's probably going to accelerate. The fundamentals remain sound. We're seeing earnings growth, significant earnings growth, for the first time quarter on quarter in a long time, things are getting better. So as long as things are getting better and investors are still investing, the market's likely to continue to go up. Uh, are earnings getting better enough? Well, defined enough. 
We're well, seeing enough, enough to support these levels of the market and the market to keep going up. Markets tend to go in trends. I mean, if you're talking about valuations, which I think is what you're getting at, the market is incredibly expensive. But that doesn't mean it's going to get down anytime soon. Expensive can always get more expensive. It's yeah. when we need when we get to that turning point, that's what we need to be looking for. But none of the signs are there yet. We were talking about earlier, um, Corey, right, with the chart of the day and just saying that a lot of the gains that we saw coming off of the elections, a lot, some of that or a lot of that has been given back. Um, what are the next catalysts for stocks to go higher or lower for that matter? I think there are two catalysts to make stocks go higher. The first is if we get another quarter of very strong earnings growth, that's going to suggest that this is not just a one-quarter bump. I think that's going to encourage investors. The second thing, and this is perhaps a little more uncertain, is significant progress on the administration's policy agenda. Do you think that's going to happen? It keeps getting getting pushed off. Well, I I want it to happen. The market certainly wants it to happen, but it's getting iffier and iffier as the political environment gets more complicated. And I think if you do start to see a catalyst, the failure of that might be one on the downside. Right. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's an interesting time, though, because we have so many investors who have been sort of look at these valuation levels and are quite concerned that there is, there is a, a, an excise valuation in the market writ large, let alone some stocks that have come some kind of crazy valuations, and they, and they want to put some cash on the side to, to be ready for that, and they're missing out. And I don't disagree with that. You know, you have to be where you're comfortable. But at the same time, yes, stocks are pricey. Stocks on the Schiller price-earnings ratio based on 10-year average earnings, they've only been more expensive twice before. One quarter in 1929 and one quarter in 1999. So, yes, stocks are... Well, that makes me nervous. <laughs> Which valuation are you looking at? That's the Schiller P ratio. Okay. Yeah, I look, the price of sales is the same thing. Price to sales, same thing. So if you look S&P at... S&P 500, I should say. I haven't looked at it all. S&P, so. yes. But if you look at that, you can say, yes, stocks are very, very expensive. But you could have said the same thing in 1997. And the market continued to rally for two more years. There's a big difference between risk well, and immediate didn't, risk. Didn't uh, Greenspan say, uh, use a rational exuberance phrase in 97? He did. And, and it ran all the way to March uh, 13 of 2000. He did. I'm actually giving a talk right now where I say it looks a lot like 1999. And people say, well, that's concerning. And it is in the medium term. But the reality is 99 was a good year. And 2000 could also be a yep. good year. Um, yeah, for a while until it isn't. So, so given the lessons of that, I mean, what do you do? What do you do? You, do, you, do you start to use like option strategies and, and look at uh, sort of exogenous uh, payouts uh, of big moves? Do you start to sort of prepare for that, or do you go all in long and and hope to get out on time? I think it depends on your time frame. I think if you've got 30 or 40 years ahead of you, you don't care. You're going to be buying through the run-up. You're going to be buying through the collapse. And, you know, over time, you'll do just fine. In the shorter term, if you're somebody who's getting close to retirement, you probably want to look at your risk allocations. You probably want to think about how much you want to have at risk. And that's the real message we're giving to Commonwealth advisors right now. I want to correct something, because I mentioned, I mean, we have seen a rally off of the elections, but what Dave was talking about, we had Dave Wilson earlier, our our Bloomberg stocks columnist, and talking about his chart of the day, but he was talking about kind of those indices, the the ratio between those kind of pro-Trump names and areas versus those anti, um, there was quite a a ratio between the two, and they've kind of given that back, so, you know, that that discrepancy. But I guess the point is, all that optimism, like we've kind of given it back, 
a fair amount of it. So, or no? Well, if you look at consumer confidence, for example, it's spiked and it's stabilized, but it has, we've given very little of that back. You look at business confidence, again, it spiked and it gave a little back, but then the most recent numbers are strong again. So we haven't given a lot of confidence back. But sentiment, right. But we also do talk about the discrepancy between the sentiment indicators and the actual hard data, where that hard data doesn't always meet up with so much optimism, with with the optimism that's out there. You're absolutely right about that. And usually what happens is the sentiment collapses to match the hard data. Mm. And that's a real concern. Right. But as long as sentiment remains high until that happens, this is the environment we're dealing with. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too. Yeah. And I wonder sort of where the consumer sits with all this, which is what 20 seconds left, but the, you know, the, the retail investor with this information, right? They, 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 remember the, they remember the blow-ups, too. Well, what I'm finding more and more talking to advisors, talking to clients, more and more clients now want to take more risk. And that, to me, is one of the biggest signs that maybe the rally isn't over because the retail investor is increasingly wanting to buy. All right, Brad McMillan, thank you. Thank nice you. Nice to have you stop by. Uh, Chief Investment Officer at Commonwealth Financial Network, $100 billion in assets under management, joining us here at uh, GE's interim headquarters in Boston. Of course, they are based in Waltham. Coming up, we've got the closing bells on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Radio.